Episode 18 of 115 Miles is one like no other. We begin with Josh singing us in with his favourite Westlife song, from not remembering the title to full blown out chorus belter. Hard to move on from that, big opener, but we then went into a deep topical discussion about lockdown part two in the UK and the impacts of COVID. We talk about the value of life in numbers and the consequences of decisions taken against this. From there, we dive into the US election and Brexit, talking about whether society is more divided or united. We find out that Josh doesn't really like Joe Biden until he finds out about his family connections to my household. A rip-roar of an episode. Please go get stuck in. And don't forget to like us and leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoy it. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. So sticking with the theme of Westlife for this next episode, <laughs> what's your favourite Westlife song, Josh? Mate, that's a big, that's a big question. Uh, and the answer is, I can't remember. All oh, right, I, I'm a massive fan, but I can't remember what it's called. But well, then you're rem- not a massive fan. I can remember you're like a mediocre few, I, fan. Shut up a minute. I can remember the first. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take that to heart. I said that, and you like recoiled. The first line goes: She's a five foot ten, a cat suit and Bambi eyes. Everybody was. Th- that, that's all you're getting. But that's that's one of my. But what's the songs. chorus? Yeah, what's the chorus? Well, let me play it out. Should have known it was a roll. Uh, I can't. Oh, am I supposed to love you now? Am I supposed to leave you now? It's called when you're looking like that. That's what it's called when you're looking like that. That's a great way to start <laughs> this week's episode. I bet people weren't thinking that they were going to get Josh Connolly singing. A man of so many talents, so many hidden talents. That's not my proper singing. Who either. knew? When I sing, I sing, mate. I'm a very good singer. Oh, was that like a, a four out of ten singing? That was just like I don't want to give him. I don't want to give him the full range of uh, vocal ability right now. You don't. You don't want to bring out your X Factor range. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to surprise them when you walk on stage. I think you should do that, actually. I think you should, they should, they're going to be coming to one of your talks expecting like this deep, like, you know, this deep um, and meaningful experience around resilience. And you should just sing at them for an hour. <laughs> I think you should do that. I think you should sing your talk at them. Well, to be fair, I'd have the X Factor style thing on lockdown, wouldn't I? Because, um, because I've got the, I've got the, the story. I've got the sob story. What are you going to say? You've got the X Factor. Like, oh, easy, mate. Easy. Do you know what, though? I proper like Simon Cowell, mate. Yeah? Do you like him? Uh, no. <sighs> not really. Why not? Because I... Th- and, and the reason I paused a little bit is because I used to like him. I don't like him anymore. Oh, I used to like him some, because he was... got some sauce on him then that I don't know. Go on. No, really. No, no. I just, I used to like him because I thought he, he was, he, he used to do real talk. Like when in this sort of, in this air of all like fakeness and not being real, he would just tell it like it was. If they were talented, 
great they would uh, go through if they weren't he'd tell it but now everything is it's all cheesy and it's all just it's all formulaic and he just does it so that he can kind of promote the ones he wants to promote and I don't think I just I don't think he's I don't think he's great to be honest yeah I can't disagree with that I think it's become much less authentic as time's gone on hasn't it and it's just become a money sort of spill it spinning wheel I'll give you that I don't like I mean, everything I guess it was about always, him. I don't like everything yeah, it about him. Has okay. Well, what do you What do you like about him? His his hair, his uh, his open neck shirts, <laughs> his trousers. Have you seen his trousers? They're always flapping around his shoes. Have you seen that? I don't know. That look like went out in like ninety two. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't I mind his. What's going? I don't on. mind the way that he always reveals the his sort of hairs on his chest. I think it's a good look. Yeah, well, you you do like to expose flesh, don't you? I mean, yours, <laughs> showing yours off. Yeah, my arms. Will you make me sound like a, some sort of flasher? <laughs> well, yeah, your arms usually. Yeah, exactly. Is this what so this how is are about you, today? Is it X Factor? No, 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 no. Maybe I don't know. We'll see where it goes. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm um, I'm very good. I, I'm in a in the midst of a very busy week. Um, I'm in isolation. So I'm in COVID lockdown. I've been traced as being around somebody positive. Um, and we all know that I hate toxic positivity. So I'm fuming about that. Wow. Um, but yeah, mate, another lockdown. It doesn't feel... I don't, listen, I'm going to ask you. It doesn't feel... I don't feel like I'm in... It doesn't feel like the first one, does it? It definitely doesn't. I think there's a few reasons for that, I imagine... Right. Reason number one is we we really didn't know what it was. We thought some big mist, some big fog was coming over us. It was going to knock us all mm. down. And like we just saw it was basically the plague coming to knock us all down. And I think we know a bit more about it. Uh, we, we feel less kind of anxious about what it might be. Um, secondly, I think um, I don't think people are really adhere. They're not really like adhering to it like no. uh, in the way that we did in the first lockdown. You still see a lot of uh, people on the streets, see a lot of cars out on the road um, and stuff. And then finally, if, you know, if you're a parent, as the two of us are, our kids are still going to school, yeah. which means you still got to get up, you still got to do routine, you got to do all that stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and I guess I'm going to throw one more in for good measure. In terms of work, and those of us who've kind of you know been lucky enough to kind of keep keep working for it, um, the f- you know the first round was really like oh what, what do we do what's going on but this one actually was just sort of carried on doing what we were what we were doing nothing's really changed significantly. That said, um, that's how it's affected you know me and you and you know other people. But you know I do know people that have been pretty drastically affected by everything that's been going down and. Uh, um, you know, and it's impacted them really significantly, uh, whether it's around kind of their job, their livelihood, uh, their ability to go out, you know, um, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely impacting people in a, dis- a discriminatory way. You know, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And like you say, I think that, you know, there's a lot less, well, there seems to be a lot less, generally speaking, a lot less fear from people on this, this lockdown um but it's a long time four weeks is a long time really was the last one like three months i can't even remember 
I can't remember the actual official lockdown period, but it was a it was it was felt like like six six weeks. Yeah, it was a long time, innit? it? So it was longer than this one, yeah. but four weeks is still a long time. Do you think it was the Do you think it was the right thing to have done? Uh, uh, based on the f- based on what seemed to be coming out uh, around, um, you know, numbers going up, infection rates going up, the potential of overwhelming the NHS, um, seeing what was going on in other countries, uh, then yeah, I think it was. I think it was too little, too late. Uh, sorry, I don't want to say too little because we don't know if it's too little, but I think it was it was late. Too, it was late. And it was late and it was very heavy. You know, it was like it could have been eased in. Um, so for, for some people, that's a case of, look, you just got to lock down. For people that have businesses that are that are completely connected to the public accessing them, like restaurants and, and mm. hospitality, that's pretty brutal to find out on a Sunday and then be done by Thursday. It's really brutal, especially when you're employing people and stuff like that. It's, it's yeah. badly handled. Yeah. I don't like the way that they give you the information about it happening, neither of them. They show you all them slides, and I think they, I'm, I'm convinced they do that on purpose. I'm absolutely convinced they do it to bamboozle you with information. Not to mention the fact that they don't have a clicker. Why don't they have a clicker, Hass? I have no idea. It really it's pisses archaic, me off. isn't it? Yeah. Next, yeah. next slide, please. Is that a power thing? You should get a clicker. They could all have a clicker each. They don't have to pass just the clicker around. Clicker. Well, just no, because no, they can't pass it around, can they? Come on, man. Ah, well, three clickers. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe you can't split click. <laughs> say that again split click split click there's a business there's a business thing for you the worst thing about it was is i did a um i did a um webinar on this monday and all i've done is i get really i really frustrates me when they say next slide please and i got on this webinar they wanted me to send i did a little presentation thing it was about movember so it was like males mental health so they i I put a presentation together which i don't normally do Mm. they got me to send them the presentation and i logged into this webinar 10 minutes early like they wanted me to and uh, they said, uh, I said, am I just going to share my screen and share that the slides? And he was like, oh, no, I'll have to do it from my end. I was like, all right, cool. How do I change slides? And he goes, oh, you'll just have to let me know. Just say something like next slide, please, or something. And I was like, oh, my days. Maybe the world is changing. Maybe we need, Maybe like we're moving away from clickers and we just need an extra person just to move slides on. Oh, it feels like. Well, I couldn't do it. it I couldn't like just say next slide, please. I had to say next slide, please. Thank you. Because uh, I'm too sort of... You, know I mean? you had to be gracious as well. Nice. Yeah, I had to Polite be as, boy. as gracious as I can. But nice. yeah, look, um, I think I've probably got... I don't know. I, what, do you know what I don't like about um, the whole way that COVID's being handled, for, like throughout the whole thing, is I feel like there's no real... We, we only ever seem to get one narrative on it. And it doesn't happen any in, in, in any other... Um, political debate or any other political disagreement we've got into this place now where if you don't agree with how covid's being viewed uh that you're like some sort of conspiracy theorist or that you don't care about lives and you know like even when you you, we've stopped having sensible conversations about death not that we ever had sensible Mm. conversations but now we have to have conversations about death we can't have proper ones so uh, did you know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but here we go. Did you know, if you were a cancer patient in the NHS, right, 
if so if you were in hospital i'm saying cancer with anything right and they there was an operation that could save your life for a year so you you were you were dying and there was yeah. an operation that could make you live for a year longer yeah they the the nhs will do the operation if it yeah. costs 30,000 pounds or less right if it doesn't if it costs more than 30,000 pounds they won't do the operation and they'll let you die now that's a really cold conversation but it's the reality yeah. right that's what happens yeah. in the nhs so when yeah. we say every life matters and we should do everything that we can to save every life that's not how we live and it's not been how we've ever lived right because that's not what happens as much as we'd like to think it when we actually bring up the real conversation and then like when you take that steps further we drive at 70 miles an hour on the road mm-hmm. we drive on 70 at 70 miles an hour on the road because that's the fastest we can go while killing a certain amount of people, but not too many to be able to keep the system of the road alive. If we wanted to save every single life, we would only ever drive at five miles an hour because then it would never kill anyone. So the reason we come to 70 miles an hour is based on a money to to life ratio. So I don't really know where I'm going with it, but but what but but when no, the, I, yeah. when you look at the amount of money that we've spent on these lockdowns and everything like that, I mean, if you could have put if you put it into the NHS properly, if you could make the NHS massive and do a hell of a lot. Arguably, you could extend the NHS service so that it doesn't become overrun. And something else that that I that nobody ever seems to talk about. Isn't the NHS bursting at the seams every year anyway? You know, like when they say all the hospital beds are filling up, I think, well, don't we get told that every year? Yeah. So you you made about 100 points there. Uh, <laughs> Been waiting to get out. Um, Been waiting to get out. No, yeah, yeah you've, you've waited three weeks for that, haven't you? Because <laughs> we're a week behind. But, but just quickly before you come in, because you make a very good point there as well, right? I'm frightened to say that. I'm frightened to to bring up that side of the conversation because there's a bit of identity politics that we've talked a little bit about on here where I think, you know, the people that I would like to be a part of in terms of political values and political views are normally saying every life matters, we've got to save every single life and if lockdown, what it takes, lockdown, what it takes. So I, I, I fear being abandoned by my tribe and people when I, I, I'm a, I'm a truth seeker. So I, I want answers. I want to understand stuff. That's why I do the work that I do on humans, you know, on, on the mind is because I'm I'm always questioning everything. And when I bring that yeah. logic to this, it becomes, I don't know, I, it gets scary. Help, yeah. help me. I, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not going to help you. Um, I'm, I'm not really clear on the point you're making. Are you saying that, there's a question, so you can just respond to it. Are you saying that, um, Life has always, you know, life, life and society has always run on a a perceived cost per life, right? So, you know, for example, and that's why you gave the NHS example or, you know, um, around 30,000 or, you know, um, driving at 70 miles an hour because that's the kind of, that's the opportunity cost of being able to keep the roads moving but doesn't kill too many people. Whereas if you, sl- if you slow right down, you save lots of lives, potentially, but you bring 
the, the country to a standstill in terms of motor motor kind of traffic. Um, yeah. So that's the that's the kind of number you're able to live with. Um, so are you saying that actually uh, we sh- we should have maybe have applied that sort of logic when we were thinking about uh, you know the bringing the you know country to a standstill in terms of lockdown and the economy and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. I'm just I just don't understand why why we didn't. Why did we change all of a sudden? I understand the first lockdown, right? Like you said right at the beginning of the show, right? We didn't know if it was going to be the next plague, right? We thought that, it, that that there was a chance it could be the next plague, right? It's not. It's not the next plague. Um, it it's not going to kill. There's no risk really of it killing somebody like me or you. No more risk than a lot of other risks that we face in our life, driving on the motorway, for example, or, or or going out and walking on the street. Right, the chances of it actually killing somebody like me or you is is is, is very very. I mean, very minute when you look at the data. Right. Yeah. So what I don't like is the data that we get given. To me, in any other instance would be completely unreliable. Completely unreliable. It's it's it, to the point of it's nearly false data. So we're going with the science, which is good, which is what we want to do. But science is, the the, the, the very nature of science is to, to, to create hypotheses and then to say, and then to try and disprove them. So when we see the rise of people that have died within 28 days of testing positive for COVID... That data doesn't tell us how many people have died because of COVID, does it? Mm. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying by that? Yeah. So, yeah. and it's not that, like, like you know, say, and I, I hate that how cold this conversation sounds, but it's just the reality of the conversations in which I don't see being had because we've, we, I, I, I don't know, I think we're frightened to have them. If 300 people die yesterday i've made that number up but 300 let's just say 300 people died yesterday within 28 days of testing for covid that's gone up since what it was a month ago when it was only 50 i'm making those numbers up but there's a rise viruses spread through humans in the way that they do when more humans tend to die this time of year particularly of a certain age group that's awful but that when you get to over 80 years old you start things start killing you. Um, surely if that virus is traveling through us all in the way that it is, the amount of people dying every day is the amount of people dying every day. More of them will have COVID in them in the last 28 days because COVID's spread round a lot more. How many of those deaths are have come because of COVID? In, in the way of my granddad for example 30 years ago died from uh cancer of the lung right he he was a heavy smoker cancer of the lung killed him he died when he got bad flu in the winter and a heavy bouch case of pneumonia and it, and it killed him we don't say that he died of the flu we say he died of lung cancer whereas now we would say he died of COVID. If if COVID was in his system, he would become a COVID death, right? Yeah. And so what I don't, I just, 
it's not that I I'm like saying the narrative of people die, get over it. We've got to get on with it. It's killing people. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't understand why we can't have that conversation where people answer those difficult questions around. Do, do you understand what I mean? Even with the testing, we, we all carry viruses around all of the time. If I've got a positive test and I'm not showing any symptoms whatsoever, we've never mass tested any virus on that level. We, we, we don't do it with flu. And if we did, that'd be, it'd be everywhere. And I, so I just, I don't understand why that narrative's not being explored. It's not even that I'm saying that narrative that I've just given you there's right. I just don't understand why we can't have that conversation. Okay. Um, I mean, I think, uh, look, I think the scale at which this thing took hold this year took the world by surprise and shocked, you know, shocked so many. And the death rate, um, although if you normalize it over time, right? So if you stretch that out over time, it's probably it's probably fairly similar, maybe a bit more spiked than flu, but because it was so acute and it, and it was happening and it was out of season, if you like, right? It was in a kind of the war. It was just a bit, it was a bit scary and it came from nowhere and it spread through the globe. So it was almost like this story stuff that kind of, that was feeding it. Mm. You then get to a point, right? So I, so I guess what I was trying to understand is, um, you know, like there's always going to have to be systems in place that make these tough decisions around, you know, what do we invest? What don't we invest? When do we need to make a call? When's the cutoff line? How much can we really put into an individual who's only got 13 months to live versus an individual who's got 36 months to live? Like those are tough decisions that people have to make and I don't envy them. I think um, the thing that... um, the thing that basically uh, uh, has driven a lot of the early activity around all of this was probably that governments didn't want mass deaths on their watch. Mm. So the answer is the reason we're not having this conversation is it's political, right? So a lot of these conversations aren't happening now because decisions that were made before. So decisions that were made around kind of the... Uh, economy or furloughing or lockdown and all those sorts of things they probably felt that they needed to do at the time in different countries and they were probably looking at what was going on in other countries and and moving quickly Um, and it was impacting the NHS so I mean I think the real conversation won't happen now it probably won't happen in six months it'll probably happen years from now when you retrospectively look back and go okay what was the true impact what was the true cost Um, and you know and, and around the deaths the reason why covid is is being touted as the cause of death is because I think for political reasons mm. you know for, you know that's my own point of view in that if the government has made all these decisions around whether to lock down bring a lockdown you know freeze the economy let people back out push them towards going and uh, and congregating with each other and 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 um you know, almost pushing them towards kind of going to pubs and restaurants by giving them money off and then going into lockdown. They've got to justify all this stuff somehow. Mm. So, um, but, you know, and I think the reason there aren't these conversations happening is is because there isn't place for discourse when there's a government is trying to communicate something. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, 
it's really difficult, isn't it? When you when you when you're expecting a lot of deaths, and and it's likely that it's going to be a part of society that's kind of already vulnerable. Um, you sort of don't want to be the government that left the vulnerable and elderly out to pasture. So of course you're going to have to do that. You know, you can't publicly sort of um, de- publicly say that actually, you know, the lives of the elderly who looked after us, you know, and paved the way for us in many ways, you know, um, they're, they're not so important because their bodies can't take it. You know, mm. it's like they've, they've provided their value. Um, it's those people that you could argue, you know, made sure that there was a country here for us to sit and do a conversation, you know. Um, so there's sort of lots at play here. You know, I, I, I appreciate that, they're, you know, they're likely to pick up flu and all that sort of stuff. But it's a, it's a very complex thing. It's not binary. It's not just like, you know, black or white. No, I, I totally agree. And and, and the, the one thing that I wouldn't want to do is to be the guy who's saying it's only killing uh, no, I don't people. think that. Uh, yeah, do I you know, know you're not saying. Do you know that. what I mean? I know, yeah. I know you know you're yeah. not. I know you know I'm not. I'm just. Uh, I just. It it's nice to have the conversation. You you know, like when you try and not that I I don't bother even trying to engage in that kind of thing across any kind of social media anymore. Really, when it comes to COVID, but this we just it's a bit worrying when we're in in a place where if you question the government you're a conspiracy theorist straight away and that's how you know because because by the way as well like so i'm in isolation at the moment right so i've got to stay isolated for seven days because i football training two weeks ago my football manager i had contact with him as in i was around i was in his space um, you did a dirty tackle. Uh, <laughs> well, he don't. He, <laughs> Slide he, tackle. He's the manager, so it, the, uh, he, he's the only one who probably didn't get smashed by. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, it's your gaffer. Okay, it's yeah. the gaff. Yeah, Sorry. but so yeah. Um, we have to isolate for 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 fourteen days, right? But um, none of my family has to, and nobody else that's around me has to. And if I go and get a test, um, and it and it comes back negative. I still have to isolate anyway, even if I get a negative test. So I don't understand this mass testing and how even that's going to help. If a negative test, you've still got to isolate. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't, well, if you've been in contact, it doesn't make any sense. And then, so I got a message that said, even though I'm completely fit and healthy, right? And that I have to, by law, stay in my house and not leave my house, which is fine and I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do but when we're under a government who can now text me and say by law I am not to leave my house I think it's more important than ever to be questioning the hell out of them and and Mm. making sure that whatever's driving them to do it and I'm not here to tell you whether it's right or wrong but we should they should be held to the sword all of the time right at the moment more than ever and it, I just feel like right now, more than ever, you d- d- like the political conversations have just become even more difficult to have, which is why. Nice segue. Which nice is why segue. We have nice segue. Here. Okay. Nice next, segue. Next, next slide, please. Um, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I de- obviously, there's a lot that's happened. There's a lot that's happened in the, since, the, since we basically last got together on this podcast, right? Um, yeah. There's a. You know, news yesterday that there's a potential vaccine, you know, yes. around the corner. Great news, like you know, uh, and and then obviously there's the U.S. election, and 
I don't know about you, but on Saturday I was really celebrating when I <laughs> when I heard the the news that that uh, Biden became president elect. Um, I'm just going to read a quote to you because you know I love a quote. <laughs> uh, president Obama said this after what was another mass shooting uh, in in the U.S. Um, that was in uh, Arizona. He said to the crowd. The forces that divide us are not as strong as those that unite us. And uh, with everything that's gone on and sort of continues to play out in the States, with everything that's sort of happened here, do you agree with that statement? Do I agree with it? The forces that divide us are not as strong as the forces that unite us. Um. Yeah. I don't think I can I don't think you know do, do, will love always triumph over hate which is essentially the same thing history is saying not always wouldn't it I mean I, I'd love to mm. say to you I'd love to say all those things I've said them in the past you know lo, love always conquers hate and uh, light always beats dark and all that kind of stuff it don't does it History says it doesn't. Look at some of the terrible things that have happened in history. Forget and that history, tells you that mate. it doesn't always win. Forget history. Let's talk about now. Like, oh, yes, history tells us that. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that's, I think that at the moment in life and society, there's more that divides us than, than, than unites us. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think, um, look, I find it really energizing that, um, uh, you know that 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 Biden has won the popular vote significantly, right? Significantly. So he's currently running. I did a did a little check before we came on. He's currently running at seventy six point three million popular vote, right? That's many. That's how many people voted for him. But seventy one point four million have voted for Trump. That's almost ten million more. Almost ten million more than voted for him last time. Mm. So he is he, he what he stands for what he is amplifying, because he's just amplifying. It's not like everyone's following this one guy. He's just the voice that carries what they think. Mm. Right? Yeah. So there are 72 million people that vote for nationalistic, extreme right-wing, xenophobic... Stuff and I know that's not all that you know that they stand for. You know, there's 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 just stuff that is divided. Um, and what was what was really interesting is in the U.S. Uh, apparently, right, um, two hundred and thirty million are eligible to vote. So there are a bunch of people out there who are el- eligible to vote that didn't vote. That yeah. Could that we don't know which way they swing. Basically, are they on the side that would you know, further push up Biden and the Democrats or are they on the side that would push up? Mm. But either way, it's, you know, you're not very in the middle on this stuff. Mm. So I feel like we're, 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 we're not, we're not united. And, 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 you know, so if we sort of take, because you look at that and go, well, you know, the US is obviously a deeply divided country because of their history and we've seen what's been happening we've talked a lot about black lives matter on this podcast we've talked about the um the divisions 
in society over there and, and that comes from the history of that country. But actually, if I, I looked at, okay, well, how does that reflect, you know, us and, and, and the UK? And, and I went back to Brexit and 52% of people that voted chose leave, 48% chose to remain. How that translated in voting numbers was 17.4 million said, let's go. 16.1 million said, uh, let's remain. Um, and at, in terms of our registered voters on the uh, on the electoral roll, we have 46.5 million or had 46.5 million at the time of the vote. So that means nearly 13 million didn't vote. So again, you know, we don't know what the reasons are. I mean, so, so I feel that even though President Biden won and Kamala um, Kamala Harris is, has made history and is the first female uh, vice president elect and also uh, black and of Asian uh, heritage. I think that's amazing. But there is just a very, very deeply divided society across the world. I think there's more that divides us than unites us, unfortunately. Yeah. And do you know what? I think a lot of it with like uh, Brexit, because I... As much as I sort of follow the American rhetoric, I can't um, pretend that I know loads about it. it. Do you know what I mean? As in, in terms of from a political sort of on a political level, I do think it is similar to what I'm going to say was true for Brexit. I think a lot of people that voted Brexit did so just in a, in a kind of f the you know fuck the establishment kind of way. They're just sick of politicians who they feel like don't understand them making rules based on what's not to do with them right that might come from a sort of uh, a lack of understanding of everything as well but i do think that's gone on in america a little bit i've i've heard people i saw uh, a clip of johnny rotten you know john lydon from the sex pistols on he was on mm-hmm. good morning Brian, uh at talking to matey boy uh morgan pierce yeah and like he was saying, "I don't like Biden. I don't like all of that because they just they, he don't he's got no idea who I am, what sort of person I am, and and like so he was epitomizing what a lot of people are saying, which is they vote for Trump because he's against the establishment. He's saying what I think and he's listening to me. And I and I think there's a lot to be said that can come back to." When we don't, when people don't feel heard, they kick out, and I think we can be guilty of that from across all of our political levels. Rather than trying to find what unites us, we look at what divides us. We we get caught up, and I'm self-reflecting here as well. We get caught up in I'm left, so this is what I believe, and this is why the right is wrong. Rather than going, let me listen to what the right's got to say. Let me try and find somewhere where we meet in the middle, where we do. Mm-hmm. Let's try and see where our common goal is, yeah, and then see what we can do. But we don't focus on what unites us. We focus on what divides us, yeah. right? And so, yeah. which, to a degree, you kind of have to because that's the job of the left and the right politics, right? The left exists to to, to dig out what the right are doing and question everything they're doing, right? Because that comes back to what we started, what I was saying in the the beginning of the podcast that we should be doing. But I do think that we forget to to look at the, the places where we kind of unite in our common I mean, goal. I, I, I think that's a really powerful point. And I think maybe we've discussed it 
on a previous episode, but basically, if you look at the spectrum, you've got extreme left, extreme right, right? And you and so the extreme left, it's unlikely that they will ever be convinced to go over to the extreme right and and vice versa. So the so the the ground that you really need to be focusing on is that middle ground because it's the ones that kind of get pushed further and further to each of the extremes that are the ones that maybe you should be listening to. They go that way because of those reasons. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about privilege, right? And so it's easier if you're a, a, I say, a a centrist left white person uh, to be able to have a, a, a dialogue with a centrist right white person about your political beliefs. It's really difficult for a person of color to have meaningful dialogue with a racist yeah 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 and it's really unlikely that a racist will have a meaningful dialogue you know so there are su- there are levels of kind of hierarchy in terms of how you can shift perspectives i think there'll be lots of unpacking of how this you know how this kind of election went down but there was this sort of dog whistling stuff around values and protect your suburbs that just speaks to this a lot of this a lot of this voting was, yeah. I think it was around race. It was around protecting American values. And I think a lot of that, I hear what you're saying, and I think you're right, but I think there was a lot of this protecting of values. For me, uh, there's just un- really uncomfortable undertones of, you know, xenophobia, immigration, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's, you know, it's political parties, interested kind of interested parties, kind of some dark forces that that feed into that psyche and push people that way. Yeah, but not, I guess I, not to I, mention that's what Trump was doing. Trump was Trump, Trump did that, uh uh Dominic Cummins did that and Boris Johnson did that. You know, everyone did it, right? But then uh, you know, I think I imagine that the, the the left portrays the right as these demons and actually there are some other things. It's not just about immigration. It's not just about impact on family values. It's about you know the, the you know there are on the right hand side of in in both countries it's about uh, f- less restrictions more ability to kind of run business lower taxes less kind of uh, kind of socialistic and ent- ent- uh, infrastructure and cost uh, le- smaller government all those sorts of things it's not we shouldn't just say that it's just about those divisive things um, and so there are a lot of people say f- say for example farmers that felt that they were probably going to be uh, levied with loads of taxes and things like that but that's the stuff that they that they kind of feed into so um i think uh, i think the point is when you know when this transition happens and it li- and it likely will happen and biden will become president this like it's it's good that for me you know as you know i know he's your flatmate i know you're gonna have to find a new flatmate because he's not gonna have a salary to pay his rent anymore or whatever <laughs> but um you know it's good that that biden will be president but there's still a deeply, deeply divided nation, and I can't see how that's going to shift. It's going to—he's got a massive job on his hands. And I just want to sort of caveat all that by saying I don't like that Biden's energy. By the way, I don't know much about his policy. I don't. Right. All I know is that he's not Trump. Right. So I am happy that Trump's out. And you know, if I was American, I'd imagine I'd have voted Biden. But I, there's something about him I don't like. If I'm what? being really honest, it's not his teeth. What? I tell you that because they are impeccable. He's got good teeth. He's I know you like good, good teeth. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's. But what? I don't what know, it? mate. I don't know. Just I don't. There's something about his, um, 
aura, his energy. I just, I, I don't know. I Do think you know- he's a bit. I, I think he's a bit like. Uh, if he was my daughter's granddad, I would be saying, "Don't sit on his knee." Oh, mate. <laughs> That's some baseless stuff going on there. I'll tell you one thing, though. His great-grandfather was from the same town in Ireland that Aaron's from. Oh, right, he's cool then. I'm down with him, yeah. And 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 they are... I mean, I imagine everyone in that town is saying that, but um, apparently they are related by marriage. Uh, what? Honestly? Some, like, yeah, seriously. Like some like second or third cousin oh, Okay, or yeah, I love him. I love him then. But, but yeah. what I was getting at, by the way, I just find him a little bit creepy. Uh, well, I mean, th- yeah, look, there were, there were, there were, there have definitely been some uh, some uh, stories of him being a bit too overly tactile. But have there um, in the past? Yeah, right. Okay, I'd never seen them, and that was I. Yeah. I, I felt like he'd be that sort of yeah. man. It- I'm not going to say that. I don't know, so I'm not going to kind of just cast aspersions. But uh, I am. I, I don't say, know, and I am casting aspersions. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just going to say. <laughs> That I think, I think it's a very, very dedicated strategy, which was to get Trump out. I suspect a lot of people are speculating, like what, what will, how long will he do, and then is he paving the way to step aside and let the VP uh, Kamala Harris come in? Um, so it will mm. be really interesting to see. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to ask you about what you thought of the government's U-turn on the free school meals during holidays. I think it's an absolute disgrace that that that, that uh, they have to do a U-turn. This government, by the way, that shut down the country to save vulnerable people, but didn't feel that children uh, deserve to be fed over Christmas. Mm-hmm. That just makes no sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. I think it's appalling that throughout this whole eight months, a ninety, well, hundred year old, and he, I think he's hundred. Captain Tom Moore and Marcus Rashford have emerged as the two new heroes. Right, mm-hmm. food banks are given out a ridiculous amount mm-hmm. of food. Uh, it was a weird day to announce it as well. Slap bang in the middle of the election, so it got lost in the news. I don't know why they would do that. It wasn't an accident. Um, so look, I think look. I will always say if changing your mind is a courageous thing to do and it's a powerful thing to do, but when you're a government that consistently just has to keep changing your mind, you have to start questioning what's going on. Mm. And they're changing their mind all the time. And look, I'm all about children. You know, I, I, I think the way I think any country should be judged on the way in which they treat their children. And I think we're an absolute disgrace in the way that we treat our children from a government level. So look, it's good that he made the U-turn. I think it's disgusting that the U-turn had to be made at all. Mm. So, what do you think the reason for it was? Because uh, they they probably got some data to show that they were starting to lose a certain amount of votes. Uh, well, I think I think you're I think you're in the right ballpark there. I, I I think that they were now looking at you know potential by-elections. They're gonna you know they're looking at. Um, uh, you know, they're looking at their constituencies and being appalled, constituents mm. being appalled that they would vote against something like this. Yet, at the same time, they get subsidised. Did you see the subsidised menu that they get in Parliament? Did you no, see this? No, I didn't like, see that, no. Like, honestly, you could, they could get like what you would probably pay f- 30, 40 quid for as a, like a steak, you know, 
um, they were getting for like seven quid. Yeah. It, you know, for their lunch and like all these three course meals and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, absolutely shocking. So I imagine, of course, it's political. Uh, it's not economic. Obviously, they, the reasons they gave for not doing it in the first place were economic. But in terms of the way that the money is being kind of, you know, is, is you know, flowing out of the economy, it feels like a, an odd thing to kind of pick on, you know. It was bizarre. I think probably what they were worried about is if we do it this year, we'll have to keep doing it. Yeah, maybe. Or how long does this thing keep going on for? Yeah, I don't want to keep right. feeding the starving kids. Cool. Let's, I'll do it. I'll do it while it's in the media. But cool, don't make me do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. make me do it just to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be with what's going on in in the US with a shift in government. It's really clear um, that Biden, who is your number one hated person in the world, um, <laughs> um, with great, team. they're not, they're no fans of, um, they're no fans of uh, Johnson and like and reneging on the on the on the exit deal and all that sort of stuff. So I think um, there's going to be pressure on all these autocratic governments. So basically, um, you know, Boris Johnson basically just emulated what Trump was doing and thought, well, if Trump's doing it and he's kind of being like this way, then I'm going to do the same and going to bluster my way through and make these calls. And uh, all of that, um, all of that lack of diplomacy and, and you know, not kind of governing, you know, in the way that, it, you know, it should be done um, is going to get reversed pretty quickly and you're going to stand out. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of pressure um, on this government, how they practice, how they behave. I mean, they've already come out and they've said, if you walk away from the deal that you signed less than a year ago, there will be no US-UK trade deal. Wow. And that's huge. So that means that basically they're going to have to walk back with their tail in their legs. I, I, can, I can imagine that there's going to be a new kind of deal thrashed out pretty I didn't know that. I didn't know that Biden, your great uncle, um, I didn't know he didn't like Boris. I take back everything I said. I think he's brilliant. I love him, <laughs> mate. I love him. Yeah. I've got a spare yeah. room now. Uh, my flatmates just Uncle moved Joe. out. So Biden can move yeah. in. Yeah. We'll, you know, share a toothbrush. I don't think he'd be, you know, after what you've said, after, you know, the way that you have uh, dishonoured his name, I don't think he'd want to live with you. Look, a great man once said, right, that the things that unite us are stronger than the things that divide us. <laughs> wow, brilliant. <laughs> On that note... Reasons to be cheerful. Right. I, I think you should go first, mate. Uh, you just got in there, didn't you? I was going to, you got to think of one, have you? No, um, I have got one. I have got one, but it's. No. it's okay. Okay. It's my one is, my one is um, saying no to say yes. Oh, all right. I, He's back with the big title. Big, big titles. No. Um, look, for the astute listeners, they'll know that we should have put a podcast out last week and. Um, uh, we're actually kind of running a week behind. Partly, we wanted to do that because we wanted to see how things played out in the world. But also, I had so much on last week. I was just completely slammed. And as and as committed as um, we are to making sure that we kind of deliver our podcast when we say we're going to do it, it was just one of those moments. It was a difficult one where you go where you have to make a call, and and because everything that was going on, I had to say no to that to be able to say yes to some other things that just created a lot of space. So. You know, I talk a lot about this, you know, in, in the work that I do, that you have to say no sometimes to be able to say yes to other stuff. And just that little thing, just by pushing it out a week, we obviously now know the result and it was all by design. But um, 
uh, it just it just created a lot of space, not just in terms of that little window that we would have had when we were recording and editing and stuff, but also just mentally just feeling kind of like, okay, I've got a bit of space to do some stuff. So, you know, I, it was a good reminder that, you know, sometimes you have to say no. Okay, I love that. I love that. Um, Pying off 115 miles podcast so you can do other shit and you've used that as your reasons to be cheerful. Good. It's good, isn't it? It's good. You <laughs> no, but I like a it, mate. Leaf out of my book. I like it. And actually, I think it was one of the things you taught me early on, very early on, and when we, you know, when I started coaching you. <laughs> I, I taught you when you started coaching me. That's nice. Just let that sink in for a minute. Uh, so, my reasons to be cheerful is my close circle. So as you know, I've been like, you know, the last few weeks I've had a bit of a turbulent time in terms of uh, sort of stuff that I've been through on a personal level. And I think it's just now more than ever, I think the world needs to understand how much we need each other. And it kind of does tie into that, like what unites us stuff, because through everything that I've sort of gone through, as difficult as it's been in the last couple of weeks, to know that I've got, that I can, you know, I can count them on one hand but people that I can be like, here's what's going on. Let me just share. Let me just vent it. Um, no solutions, really. Let, just let me just vent it. You know, my wife, you, and a couple of other close people in my life, but <laughs> predominantly my wife and you, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in that order. Um, it, it good, just, good, good you just mentioned that. <laughs> just needed to clear that up. <laughs> But, you know, it's one of the things uh, I've been promoting a little bit recently as well. I think we've got to be careful that self-care and self-help doesn't make us think that we've got to be able to do it on our own. We need mm. people. I think everyone should be creating circles, you know, inner circles, tight circles, close circles, whatever you want to call them. A group of, you know, almost like a community-led group of people that's like on, on one hand that you can count and that you can rely on. Because when the shit's the fan, I don't care what anyone says or how much self-work you've done you need people around you and I think when you've got them it doesn't matter how difficult it is it still feels you still sort of know I'll I'll be all right we'll get through it so yeah my reasons to be cheerful I I I didn't title it did I that's why I made you go first so I could think of a title but uh inner circles inner circles I like it what a way to end um that was great, man. I was not expecting you to sing, and uh, I forgot I think, I sang. <laughs> w- Yeah, what, what, a, what a sonic delight for all of our listeners. Yeah, you're, you're cringing now, aren't you? Thinking, I'm going red thinking about singing. it. Yeah, how did that happen? No editing that out, mate. Leave I've, that in. I've started off by singing, and then I've gone on about a forty-minute ranty tirade, which highlights hey, highlights. What we, we've, we've been said. missing a rant for a while so you yeah, know well, it's, you, we, we uh, all it's know good. when i'm when i'm going through something i get ranty so uh we'll no it's good there before. wasn't a, there wasn't a rant but listen um we're actually coming back again next week so yeah, next even week. though we even though we kind of pushed it back a week we're gonna actually put out another podcast next week so yeah and i I'm, 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 to look forward to tell your great uncle i'll make it up to him i didn't mean it i think he's a Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.